1: Slate Church. Uh, Pastor Brandon and Emma here. We are not in person this Sunday, but we wanted to just jump on screen and give you guys a couple of updates for things that are coming up, things that are happening, and some things that you're really going to need to know about. So make sure you do mark down some of these dates as well. As most of you know, um, us uh, as our family, we go out and we vacation for a good portion of July. Well, we also use that time when friends are asking, hey, could you come speak at our church? We usually use this time to do that, um, which is a bit of a trade-off. We get that, the benefit of that throughout the year for our church, and so um, we return the favor around this time as well. So we're gonna see you in a couple of weeks, but it's just a little bit more sporadic over the next four to five weeks. So we wanted to jump on, give you two different updates, an update around morning services and an update around uh, what's happening with the building. So um, when it comes to the building that we own, for those of you uh, that don't know, we actually own a building that you're not currently meeting in. And our goal is to eventually meet there. And right now, we are still waiting on information from our architect. It's about a week and a half late, and um, we're trying to figure out why it's late and if this is going to be what we look forward to or if we need to actually shift to another architect if we're not going to get information. But the good news is that they... um, Uh, finished up with some measurements, and so we should be getting that somewhat soon. So a lot of the rest of this update is going to be on what we're doing at the morning services because if you've been coming even over the last month or two, you'll know that we've been moving around theaters with our kids' uh, space, and that's large in part because the theater that you're currently meeting in or uh, the theater that you go to if you're watching this online uh, is under renovations, and they are about to renovate the very um, theater that you're sitting in right now, And where it has 300 seats, and if you look around, it's pretty full, Uh, they're bringing it down to about 110. And we actually have a date that they're going to do that on. And this is something that we told you during our vision season that we're aware of. And we just want to give you a bit of an update on what that's going to look like between now and when we actually get to move into uh, the space that we're filming this in, Slate Center, at uh, a date that we can't uh, tell you yet, because our architect is going to get that information hopefully soon.
0: So there's a bit of an interim period here where we need to move from uh, the Landmark Waterloo location to another venue. And so that our last Sunday at Landmark Waterloo is going to be on August 6th. And it's going to be great. Same. We're going to have a great time. But that that then that means that August 13th, we are moving to a new venue. Now, right now, we have three different venues that are kind of in the works. Two of them have confirmed that we can be there. And we're just waiting on one more to let us know. But we want to make sure... We have all of our options on the table before we um, let you know and make sure we know which space we're going to be going into on August 13th. So we are not like without a spot to go to. We are not homeless here as a church, uh, but we want to make sure that we're letting you know that as soon as we have that fully confirmed. But the important thing for you to know right now is that August 6th is our last Sunday at Landmark Waterloo. August 13th, we'll be moving to another venue. We'll let you know about that. And then we have uh, the renovation and the building to look forward to, obviously, at some point to be moving to a permanent location uh, in the coming months and timeline.
1: Yeah, like we just so you're aware, some of you joined us after the pandemic. And so this is the first move you've went through with us. Um, A lot of you have actually been through a a number of other moves and they happened much quicker. It was like at one point we didn't know where we were meeting the next (laughs) week. And what we're confident in is these three options that we have were all options that we, we would have been comfortable choosing on the other side of the pandemic. They just weren't available then. And so we're excited about the next move. We really believe it's the only move we're going to have to make between now and when we move into the building. And so we just ask for patience. And uh, for those of you that aren't used to doing this, uh, you joined a church plant. Welcome to the, the, uh, the, what comes with the church plant.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we are headed this summer into our big, fun summer. Uh, We're really looking forward to it. That's next week it starts, and there's going to be a party in the lobby, so make sure that you're planning to stick around for a little bit after service and in between services because it's going to be a lot of fun for everyone. Uh, And then we've got great things coming up throughout the summer and the weeks ahead. But we just want to encourage you to be praying with us, uh, sticking with us through all of this, and uh, we just are excited for what's coming up next.
1: Yeah. Keep tuning in. Be consistent. It's easy in the summer to get sidetracked and not be present. Be present as often as you can. If you're up at the cottage, tune in online. Um, we love you guys. And uh, we'll be seeing you around. Awesome. Well, I think that's
0: an encouraging update from Brandon where we're going to be in the upcoming weeks as a church, but to bring some more context to that, and also for uh, the speaker for a message today, we're going to invite Pastor Jared up in just a moment, but first we're going to play, for the last time, I'm so sad, our summer love and bumper video. So enjoy it for all it is, and then we'll welcome Pastor Jared up today.
2: great little video hey I always get like I'm always like unsure of how I feel about it and then I watch and I'm like oh, I feel good about this I like this video Well, hey, listen we got some uh, some stuff to talk about this morning which is pretty cool that was a, uh, a announcement that we filmed this past week from Pastor Brandon Pastor Emma and um, as I was watching the video I was like man this is all really good information it's good knowledge to have and then he got to the part where he's like look around it's probably pretty full in there and then I was like oh, it's a it's a long weekend that's a lot of faith speaking into our 9 a.m. on a long weekend man, I was like, maybe 100 seats will work, and it's like, no, 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 100 seats will not work, and so they're, they're actually doing some pretty cool renovations on the theater, and we're really looking forward to that for them, and what that will do for Landmark's business, but it actually just doesn't work super well for us as a church, because across our two morning services here at Landmark, we see um, close to 400 people every single every single Sunday, and so that's pretty incredible, but it's actually, we've, we're not going to be able to fit in this space when when it changes, and so One of the things that we uh, are thinking through and working through is, okay, where are we moving to as a church? And as they said, we've got a couple of different options. We're not like scrambling or nervous about anything, but we wanna bring everybody into this process so that as it's happening and as it's unfolding, we're able to share with the people in our church. So nobody's left kind of out of the loop or unaware. And it's something that I I just wanna ask us as a church to take on together, not just something that we're gonna hear from the platform or from videos or things like that. But for each one of us, like the, the reason we wanna get ahead of announcing these, things is so that people that are new to our church that maybe have come in and they've been here for a week or two and and they're beginning to get plugged into what God is doing here and what God has for them they're not getting lost in the mix of a change like this or transition and so my ask to you guys is if you have questions about it feel free to chat with me about it I can give you a little bit of information about like where we're going we've got a few different options I'm hopeful for all of them they're all going to be really uh, like solid options for our church and, um, and we just want to make sure that people are, are, are brought along in this, all right? If, if there's any questions, actually, why don't we open it up right now? We'll just do a Q&A panel if anybody has questions. I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. But if you do, have, if you do have questions, you can just come and chat with me afterwards. Um, or Beth, we're working together on to get some of this stuff out. And if you're like, oh, man, why do we have to do this? Um, it's part of being a mobile church. It's part of being a church that is like, the, the thing that I was like thinking about when I was writing this stuff down and going like, Man, like we're we're moving again. If you've been a part of Slate for a while, there was a time in our church history where like every single week we were moving venues. We'd be like at Maxwell's one week, and then we were at um, we were at Inn of Waterloo, we were at Marine Forester Hall, and we were at. Did we go anywhere else from there? Bluevale. Thank you guys. We're at Blueville for one Sunday, and we were all so excited about it. And then the teacher strikes happened, and we're like, ah, oh, forget it. We're not going to do this anymore. And so um, so there's been a lot of different venues. And the thing that encourages me in that is that this, like, it reminds me over and over and over and over again that church is not about, like, a location or a place or a building. Church is the people of God gathering together to worship God and to learn and, to, and, and inspire one another about what it looks like to follow Jesus wherever we find ourselves. And so, and that's, like, one thing, to be honest, as Beth and I are stepping into this role of, of uh, pastoring this morning community, one thing I'm a little bit, wary of as we move towards a permanent location is I want us as a church to never lose that hunger and drive to do whatever it takes to be uh, present as a church community, to be inviting people into what it looks like. Sometimes when you get into a permanent space, and we found it here with Landmark a little bit. We haven't had to change up our routines in a while. You can sort of sit back on your heels a little bit and get in a routine and kind of just like, okay, I'm going to church and this is what I do and I raise my hand in the third song and maybe I meet somebody in the lobby. I don't want that to be our church. I want our church to be people that are hungry for God's presence to move in our to move in our families, to move in our lives, and to move in our marriages as we're talking about today and that are expectant for what God can do and not just kind of sitting back on our heels, okay? So we're gonna need to move in a little bit. Um, If you have questions, if you wanna help with that, if you're not a part of a team, we're gonna need some more hands to be a part of that because there's gonna be some greater needs. Um, And so Jeremy, actually, why don't you just give like a quick little wave. Jeremy here um, led our muscle team for the first time by himself this morning. Can we just give him a round of applause? They were knocking out of the park with timelines, but feel free to go, sorry, this cord is bothering me. Feel free to go chat with Jeremy afterwards because he would love to have some more hands as we're moving into um, a, a new venue and as we plan some of that stuff out. Sound good? Great. Sounds good. Okay, cool. We're going to talk about uh, relationships this morning, and um, and I'm excited to do that. We're going to kind of unpack the verse in 2nd or the passage in 2nd Peter that we looked at last week uh, with Pastor Brandon. He made it through half of the values and things that um, Peter outlines for us, and we're going to talk about the second half Today. And so, why don't you turn in your Bibles? And if you don't have your Bible, you can follow on the screen behind Second Peter, uh, chapter one, verses three to eleven. And basically, it's an interesting passage of scripture because Peter, he's one of Jesus' disciples, right? He's the one that Jesus says, I'm gonna build my church on you, you're gonna be the rock. And he's the one that kind of preaches and then immediately like 3,000 people are added to the church's numbers at the beginning of the church. And Peter's this like central pivotal figure in the early church and kind of through the building of the church. And he writes this letter towards the end of his life. And Peter knows that he's gonna die because Emperor Nero is this wild emperor in Rome. He's killing Christians and he's just like, putting a lot of persecution on the Christian church and Peter's living in Rome and so he's writing this letter to the, to get basically passed around churches in the area knowing that his life is in danger and he's sort of writing this final charge to churches to say hey this is what our faith is about this is how you're supposed to behave as a follower of Jesus and then he speaks to like uh, false teaching and, and things that could kind of like disrupt the trajectory that the church is on and the trajectory that us as individuals are on and so Peter writes this out and it's so interesting because Peter's this person that spent so much time with Jesus, and is this pivotal person in the building of God's church, and these are some of his thoughts towards the end of his life, and so they're really, really important for us uh, here today. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 11, it says this, his divine power, this is God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life, through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the teachings that we can find in scripture, God. And we thank you for these words of Peter uh, penned to the early church, Lord. And we thank you that those, these though these were written to uh, early churches that, that existed, you know, even just decades after you were here, Lord, we thank you that they're words that um, are still applicable to us this morning, that that still means something to us as a church today, Lord. And I pray that as we gather around them, that your word would change us, that it would shape us, that it would form us, Lord, and we would become more like you. As we follow uh, your your teachings in, in Scripture, here in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, it's cool. It's a cool passage. Basically, Peter's saying, like, here's a here's a list of values of things for us as people to take on to grow in in increasing measure over the course of our lives. And it's an interesting thing that he mentions that it's an increasing measure over the course of our lives. It's an idea that we're never going to actually achieve these things. And if we're looking for self-control or an accumulation of knowledge or all these different things that Peter lines out, we're never going to actually like fulfill all of these things in their wholeness, but we need to seek after them and grow in them in increasing measure over the course of the Christian life. And so for us today, that first thought that I have as I'm reading this is like, okay, am I increasing in these things over the course of my life? When I look back on earlier stages in my life, do I feel like I have maybe a greater level of self-control, or am I increasing in my awareness of of the desires that I have as a person and the things that I want in the immediate, and am I foregoing those things, and and do I have a greater level of self-control at 28 than I did at 18? Yes. By a lot? No. But I would say that it's something that I'm continuing to work on, And, and, and as we read Scripture, like... The things that are outlined here from Peter, we need to actually understand them at a a bit of a deeper level and not just let the words wash over us this morning as we read them. But when, when Peter says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, that's something for us to take note of, to actually grow in these things over the course of our life. And the reason we want to grow in these things is because God is actually inviting us to partake in life and life to the full in the divine nature of God. That's a really interesting thought too. That God in his in His like fullness and his character, he possesses these traits, these qualities. And as we grow in increasing measure in these things, we actually get to partake in life and life to the full in the divine nature of God. We get to look more like Jesus. We get to look more like Christ and we get to be a greater example to the world around us of what it means to follow God and what it looks like to actually outwork that in our life. I can get so like dejected by some of the things that I see in the world around me. And uh, the other day I got on this Rabbit trail on uh, on the internet. It started from, like, one meme that I saw on uh, Facebook, of all places, and I just, like, it just kind of, like, one thing led to another, led to another, led to another, and it took me down this path of just, like, almost curiosity, but there was just, like, these, like, um, there's a situation in Brazil that I was, like, what's going on with this thing? And I looked at that, and then there was another situation, and just, like, through a series of events, and I don't really want to get too, like, into it, because it was actually some pretty, like, dark and intense things that, that I was, you know, seeing, I just became, like, so aware of how broken our world is. And we don't really experience a lot of that here in the West because we've got, like, a fair amount of comfort. We have, like, a, a legal structure that does a, a decent job. We have, like, a, a like a policing society that kind of keeps everybody in line a societal structure that works fairly well in the West where we don't, you know, we experience injustice, but we don't experience it on the levels that we see in some of these other like countries in the world where, where brokenness and even evil is so much more prevalent. Like I think about in Thailand when I was growing up, the the police there, it was like, you were, you were more at risk if you saw a cop for like something bad happening to you than if you didn't see a police officer. And that's just like a weird, a weird like concept to think about. But there was just like, there was so much corruption that was just embedded in that society and we see that in a lot of different countries in the world, and we don't really experience that in the same way in the West. We do to some capacity, but the depths of evil in our world, they're, like, they're really serious. And so when we gather around the Word of God and God says there's a different way to live, that's important for us to understand and to embody as Christians, as followers of Jesus, to set a different example to the world around us to say, hey, there's actually more than what you see. There's more than what people put in front of you. There's more than the brokenness that's there, that God actually inspires and desires us to have a different lifestyle than the world around us. And that's the invitation that Peter gives us in this passage, that we can partake in the divine nature of God by seeking these things in growing measure in our life, okay? So last week, Pastor Brandon talked about the first three on this list. And the first three, goodness, knowledge, self-control. Goodness, to live lives and relationships that are so good that they show the people around us that there's a different way of living. Not perfect, but full of God's intended goodness in our life. Knowledge, an awareness of God and who he is that shows us how broken we are and how good God is. And then self-control, not just living by our immediate desires and impulses, but deferring what we want now for what we know is best and what God is calling us to in our life and in our relationships. So today we're gonna unpack the next four, just perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. And as I was thinking about perseverance today, um, perseverance is this like interesting thing. You could probably do like a whole series of messages on perseverance, but perseverance is basically like these, these traits that Peter is outlining, they build on one another. Goodness is the starting point. Knowledge is the next point. You want to build on goodness and knowledge of who God is. Because as you get to know God more, you want to be more like God and you realize your brokenness and your need for him. And then in that, you want to experience like self-control in your life. So that you're not actually just like doing whatever you desire to do. But you're, you're able to kind of put aside your, your carnal instincts, your like immediate desires for what you know God is calling you to. And then perseverance comes on this list and it says, let's persevere in these things over the long haul of our life. Perseverance, as defined um, by Alex Hutchison, uh, kind of this idea of endurance, is the struggle to continue against the mounting desire to stop. It's crucial to override what your instincts are telling you to do for the thing that you know you should do. Endurance is the struggle to continue against the mounting desire to stop. And that's what I think of when I think of this idea of perseverance, that it's this choice again and again, day in and day out, to do what I know to be right and to choose that over and over and over again. And for me, like that's a that's a fairly challenging thing, and maybe for a lot of us in the room, I feel like it's challenging for everybody. But but as a, as an individual, I'm a fairly like emotional person, and so when I wake up in the morning, the first thing that I'm thinking is like, how am I feeling today? And sometimes those feelings influence how I behave, and by sometimes I mean like every single day, they influence how I behave, and and if I just operate out of the things that I'm feeling as an individual, the direction and the trajectory of my life, it kind of is like a roller coaster of ups and downs. Some days I'm doing really well. Some days I feel like I'm moving forward in the things that God has for me. Some days I'm just like, man, I'm kind of tapping out on this. I'm not interested. I don't really want to take a step forward. But for perseverance, it's this daily decision to choose to do the right thing over and over and over again. You know when you don't really need perseverance is when you feel like doing something. Like, right now, um, we're working so much, like, on our house, and I haven't really been uh, going to the gym as, like, frequently as I, as I want to. And by that, I mean I probably haven't gone in, like, maybe five or six months. And so it's been a long time, and I'm, like, I'm itching to do it again. Part of me is just, like, man, I miss lifting weights. I miss getting in there. I miss, like, feeling, like, like breaking a sweat and getting exhausted. I miss, like, that, that, that kind of, like, energy that you get from going to the gym. There's, like, I was talking to Beth about this. I'm, like, man, I can't wait to get this basement finished so that I can go back to working out. Which is also like a broken thought in and of itself. I can just work out now, it's not a big deal. But I, I see this like this this hill in my mind. And so I'm like, man, I wanna get back to this and I don't need perseverance when I'm desiring to do something. I think about it when it comes to like our marriage or relationships. And I think about like perseverance. I don't need perseverance when I'm at a wedding. And, like, watching somebody, like, recommit or commit themselves to their, their spouse. Like, Beth and I, we went to, we're actually kind of out of a season of going to a ton of weddings, but there's a season where we were going to a wedding, like, every other weekend in the summer. And it was nice, because you're sitting at the wedding, and you're watching, like, the music play, and these people, like, devote themselves to one another, and, like, they do all their vows, and we're sitting there, we're holding hands, we're like, man, I love you so much. And we drive back home, and it's like, wasn't well, that so beautiful? I oh, mean, I'm so glad that we're married to each other, and you just feel, like, you just feel so great. That's not when you need perseverance. That is the time where you're just like, man, this is awesome. I love you, and I love, like, being around you. When you need perseverance is last night when I go into the bathroom to, like, brush my teeth, and I turn on the faucet, and there's spit in the sink is when I need perseverance. So that's, like, I don't know if you guys have gone back to that one time, Beth and I. This is, like, a, a constant point that we go back to, and I'm sorry that I'm airing it out, and you don't have an opportunity to, like, share, it, and that's all right. I'm going to jump on it. But she's, like... This is something that we go back on constantly. I'm like, babe, you just got to, like, turn the faucet on. Just one handful of water, wash it, spit down the sink. Like, not a big deal. And she's like, nah, it's just not in my routine. Like, it's not a big problem. I'll get to it in the morning. I'm like, how how does your brain work like that? And so we go back and forth. And one night, I got home, and uh, we went to bed. And, like, we were both laying in bed. And then I had to get up to, like, go to the bathroom or something. And I went to the bathroom, and there was spit in the sink. And I just snapped. And I was like, Beth... Why can't you just do this thing? Like, please, it's just so frustrating. Just put it in. And she's like, no, 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 that one wasn't me. Like, that one was for sure you. I actually rinsed my spit out in the sink. It's like, babe, I promise you, there's no way, like, not in any reality have I ever done that spit in the sink and not washed it out. And it's a conversation that we've gone back and forth on. And we got into, like, this big argument about it that night. And then eventually she was just like, yeah, it for sure was me. You've literally never done that in your life. But we go back and forth on these little things. And it's a trivial thing. But in those moments, like when I get frustrated with something that I just see repeated again and again and again, that's a small example. Take a bigger example of like, man, I just feel like you don't value the things that I do. That's, that's when we come back to all the time. Anytime Beth and I are, are struggling or there's tension in our relationship, it always comes back to this idea of I don't feel like you see the things that I'm investing in our, in our, in our relationship. And, you know, just, I just feel overlooked. And that's like a constant refrain. And perseverance means that when we get into that space where it's like, man, I'm not, she's not recognizing the stuff that I'm putting into this and I I feel like I'm doing all this stuff and I just keep getting like, you know, can you do this, can you do this, can you do this? And there's not a recognition of what I'm investing in here. That's when you need perseverance to say, hey, just need to take a breather, go back to the drawing board, have another conversation. You need perseverance when, when the thing that, that somebody's done in your life has hurt you over and over and over again, and they do that thing again, and you're going, man, I'm holding on to this hurt and this anger, and will this person ever change? And you feel trapped inside the relationship that you're living in. The perseverance that it takes to go, okay, I'm going to forgive that person again. I'm going to go back to the table with them again. I'm going to talk to them again. I'm going to work through it again. I'm going to extend grace again. I'm going to create space to have a conversation again. Perseverance is something that's like lived out over and over. And, and the thing that's great about perseverance is that it's not about some like, hopeful future that might happen. Perseverance is all about the choices that we make today. The goal that we have in mind is like outlined for us in Scripture of this life that embodies all of these characteristics. But this idea of perseverance is that every single day, you can make a decision to engage in the right way in a relationship. I, I saw this thing uh, on TikTok the other day. Anybody know about like the no-fizzy-drink guy on TikTok? Has anybody seen this before? Thank you, Michaela, one person. Basically, this guy, he started, like when TikTok came out and during the pandemic, he started this TikTok account because he was like addicted to drinking soda. And he was like, I'm overweight and I'm drinking soda and it's really bad and I need to stop doing this. And so every day he would go on TikTok and explain why he didn't drink another soda that day. And he would always end the TikToks by saying, no fizzy drink for me today. And he was just like, that was his refrain over and over. And we were on TikTok the other night and there was like 680 of these videos that this guy had posted, basically again and again saying no fizzy drink today and the title the little like card underneath his his profile it said if you can do it today you can quit forever and I just thought that was like such a profound thought if you can just do it today and you can do it tomorrow and you can do it the next day and the things that we desire they'll come over time but we get to actually like look to this morning and this afternoon and this evening and choose to persevere through these things to choose to like go again and again yesterday my grandparents my dad's parents they celebrated their 67th wedding anniversary. How insane is that? Yeah, gentle, gentle claps, insane. But uh, that was like amazing. I was like putting this together and I was like, when did we go to their 50th wedding anniversary? Yeah, it's probably like five or six years ago. And I looked on Facebook and yesterday, 67 years. That's wild. My, um, my grandfather on my mom's side, um, his wife passed away maybe seven years ago. And they were married um, also for, like, 50-plus years. And would, and I mean, like, it would be, I don't know, you're getting close to 60 years on their side. And that's, like... That is a testament to them because I know that in both of those marriages and in both of those relationships through, obviously, my parents and even just through seeing it myself, there's a lot of brokenness. Those are two really broken people on both sides that have chosen again and again and again. I'm not going to quit on this thing, but I'm just going to keep showing up. My dad's dad, he's Irish, and he's like 100% Irish, and he just says anything that comes into his mind. And my grandma's life has basically been like trying to like calm him down and like apologize for the things that he's saying. And over the years, it's gotten better, but at the same time, like, they've fallen into some of these ruts in their relationship where you go back to that first thing of goodness. Like, there's probably more goodness for them to achieve in their relationship as God designed it and intended it, but they've persevered over the last 67 years, and they haven't persevered, like, begrudgingly. Like, the Facebook post that my aunt made is just, like, the two of them smiling together, and I don't know, they've got to be, like, 88 and 89 now, but it's just decades and decades and decades of choosing that person again and again and again through, like, really hard things and through really good things. And that's, like, an amazing testament. And you know what that does? I was thinking about that. You know what that does? That, like, demonstrates something to my mom and my dad from their parents who have done 60-plus years of marriage. So my parents this year are celebrating 30 years of marriage, which is a wild thing as well to think about. Like, that's, that's a long time. That's three decades of choosing each other. And I've been closer to their struggles as their child, and I've seen, like, some dark, dark days in their marriage. But I've seen them choose again and again and again and again and again. And you know what that does? It, it sets me up really well. Where, like, divorce isn't even in my vocabulary as a person. It's not even like something that comes into my mind as an option because I've just seen my parents wrestle through it. And if they can fight for 30 years through really challenging things, where there's like five or six years where they were going over the same stuff over and over and over again, and they were talking about, like, I can be more effective without you than I am with you. And so like, is this even the right thing? And they got to some of those places in their life. And then to see them work through that and to see what God has done in their relationship, it's just not even an option in my mind. And when I brought that into my relationship with Beth, you know, she, she comes from a different family history and a different story. And there was a lot of like angst and tension when we first got together of like, what if I don't do these things? Will you still want to choose me over the course of our life? And I just said, Beth, like, it's not even on the table for me. I can't even wrap my head around that. Can't even wrap the head around like making this commitment to you and then not making that commitment to you because I've just never seen that in my life. And that's, a, that's like, and I know that that's not the story for most people. I know that's a really unique thing in my family. But what it is, it's a testament to what is in scripture here the testament to say, if you will persevere in those relationships, if you'll continue to choose that person over and over and over again, or even in your friendships, if you plant yourself in a community, and when somebody ticks you off so much, I've I've got like, had like six conversations this week with people that have roommate situations that they're just like, I can't stand this roommate anymore, I gotta figure this whole thing out. There's so much tension. If you can just choose to stick in those relationships, not ghost the person, not shut it down, not like close yourself off or wall yourself off in those conversations, but be open to talk and to work through things again and again and again and Again, what could God do through that? And, and, and again, we're broken people. We're not going to get to this place of, like, pure, like, piety and bliss all of the time. But what we can do is choose to keep showing up and allow God to work through that. What does it look like to persevere in our prayer towards the people in our lives? To, to pray for our spouse day after day after day after day. Man, that is something that I'm terrible at. And Beth is, like, really good at. She just has, like, maybe not recently. You were just telling me the other day that you need to pray more. But, um, but like, in the past... <laughs> And also, but like, just like consistency, like you, you, you actually, like you just show up for our, our, our kids again and again and again, you show up in our relationship again and again and again, and when I'm struggling through things, like you're, you're patient with me, and you choose over and over, day after day after day, even though that wasn't necessarily the example that you got in your life, you've, you've said, hey, I'm going to do something different, I'm going I'm to pave a new way for our family and to jump into this thing, and I'm going to not just go with what I've seen or what I know, but I'm going to go with what God says and the hope that there can be of just showing up over and over and over again. And I think about, like, the people in our church and the marriages in our church. Like, I know that there's some real stuff that people are wrestling through right now. And I don't know everybody's story and situation, but I've heard a lot of stories and situations to go, man, that's hard and that's dark. And, and I'm, like, I'm astounded sometimes at the ways that people can operate for years and years in brokenness and, in, and dysfunction. And, and I want to say a couple of things. I want to say, one, like, stick with it. Don't quit on that thing. God is still going to work through you in that marriage and in that relationship. And, two, it doesn't need to stay that way. Like as Pastor Brandon said last week, goodness is something that God desires for us as people and desires in our relationship. I think about it even just in the church context. Imagine for us as people if we were easy and quick to forgive and did that over and over for the people that hurt us in this church community. If we were easy and quick to love one another, if we were easy and quick to invite somebody into what was happening, if we did it over and over and over again, like the decades and decades of building health in a church community, the decades and decades of building strength in a marriage, the decades and decades of building uh, strength in your relationship with God as we show up again and again and again to do the right thing, although this mounting desire to stop exists within us. Beth and I are um, celebrating five years of marriage uh, in August, and I think... Yeah, it's the smallest and I appreciate that. But we're at the beginning. No, it's good. It's awesome. But it is like we're just at the start of this journey, you know? Like we're, we're, we're five years in, and that feels small. And I look at the next, like, 62 years of our life, if I, if I match up to my grandparents, and I go like, man, how are we going to make it through that? Perseverance is how you make it through that, by choosing again and again, one day at a time, one week at a time, one year at a time, to show up for the other person. I think that's all that I had to say on perseverance. Godliness. Godliness is the next one here. What are the characteristics of God? So, so you go through perseverance, and the next one that it gets to is godliness. And as I read this one, I was just like, okay, what What do you mean godliness? Like we're supposed to be like God. And God actually invites us into that and, and, and to say, like, you want to take on the nature of God. That's what this whole list is about, is taking on, like, the divine character traits and characteristics of God. But then, like, I was talking to Beth, and she's like, well, obviously, he's not talking about, like, omnipresence. Like, the goal isn't to be omnipresent or omnipotent or, like, all-powerful. The, the, the characteristics of God that, that we can take on is this reverence for God and this desire to be set apart from the world around us. And the, characters, the characteristics that come out of that, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, forbearance, tenderness, self-control. And these are the things that God actually like, invites us into. So for us as people, like, as we're working out our faith, as we're working out our relationships, as we're working out what it looks like to follow God, God doesn't just want us to have good lives, but he wants us to have healthy souls as people. This is a quote from John Mark Comer. He says, we aren't just fighting for a good life, we're fighting for a good soul. So for us as people, what does it look like to follow after God, to be set apart from the world around us, to, act, to love the things that God loves, to desire the things that God desires, and to spend time with God as we spend time with somebody, we understand more of who they are, and we take on that, like, those personality traits. Like, you ever hung out with somebody that has, like, a really specific laugh? Maybe you know people with a really specific laugh, and you spend time with those people, and they've got, like, a really unique laugh. I don't know about you, but I find myself, the more time I spend with somebody that talks a certain way or laughs a certain way, the more that I start to do that thing a little bit in my own life. Like, I, I caught myself, oh, man, who was it the other day? It was, um... Uh, I think it was actually Pastor Brandon. He's got a pretty, like, specific laugh. And we were spending a lot of time uh, a few weeks ago together, and I laughed at home, and Beth was like, you sound like Brandon. And I was like, oh, no. I'm just, like, taking on the characteristics of the people that I'm... And not to sound like Brandon is bad. Brandon's awesome. But, like, I don't... You know, we don't really want to do this. You want to be, like, your own person, unless it's God. Like The more time that you spend with God as an individual, the more that you take on the characteristics of God. The more that you realize, man, God is patient. He is loving. He is kind. And what does that look like for me to be patient and loving and kind in my relationships? And for us to seek after godliness or holiness in our life. To be set apart from the world around us and to take on the characteristics of God and to embody that in our marriages. The other day, Beth and I, like literally two days ago, Beth and I were sitting on the couch and, um, and I was watching, like, YouTube videos on the TV, and the kids were there, and we were, like, hanging out, and it was early in the morning, and Beth had finished, like, um, doing whatever she was doing. She came on the couch, and she opened up her Bible and started reading her Bible, and immediately I was just like, oh, man, I didn't read my Bible this morning. Like, I actually need to do this. And at first, I felt guilty, and then as I processed through my own emotion, I felt encouraged because I was like, man, I'm grateful that somebody like Beth is setting an example for like me even in our marriage to just go hey before I do anything else I'm gonna do this so then I was like almost begrudgingly but I knew it was the right thing like switch the things that I was watching on YouTube to like worship music and then like was worshiping with the kids and, and but what Beth brought in that moment as she desired to be around God and desired to know God more she brought a, just a different tone and a shift in our house and that, that like kind of carried over to me and then it carried over to our kids and for us I think about it in our is what does it look like for us to show up with this deep love of God and desire to know him and a desire to be like him and allow that to spill out over our our household and over our families and over our marriages over the long run. Like you you mix that kind of attitude with perseverance year over year over year, holy smokes, you're becoming more and more like shaped into this person of who God desires you to be. And how much more set apart from the world does that look like decade over decade over decade? And how much more of an example to the people around us is that of how good God is and what it could look like to follow him in our life? All of these things build on each other, but godliness is something that Peter says, desire this. Desire a reverence for God. Don't just fight for a good life or a good marriage or a good relationship. Fight for a good, healthy soul. Mutual affection. I love that towards the end of this list, this idea of mutual affection, it broadens all of these things up to the people around us. Peter says, like, you know, you, know, you want to add on goodness, you want to add on knowledge, and you want to build all these things into yourself, but for What purpose? Mutual affection, this idea of brotherly love, this idea that all of us are created as God's children... And that we're in relationship with, uh, with one another. We're designed to be in relationship with one another. That's not happenstance. God has created us to be in relationship with one another. Creates Adam and he's there. Perfect relationship with God. He says it's not good for man to be alone. He needs a, he needs a wife. He needs somebody to be walking alongside him. And so for us, we're designed with that need for community and in relationship. And Peter is saying, take on this mutual affection, this brotherly love for the people around you. So what does that actually like mean? It's a recognition that each person in this room, each person in your life, every family member, every cousin, every child, your spouse—all of those people are designed and created by God, unique and individual, and loved by God, and part of God's family. That's like that. That's that thought. Is for those of us that have made decision to follow Jesus, we're part of the family of God. And so, so before Beth is like my wife, she's a child of God, and she's like um, part of this family of God that I'm a part of as well. And so for me, it means that I just need to love who God has created her to be. And I need to encourage her in that. And I need to inspire her in that. And sometimes that stuff can get really shrouded by the frustration that we have in our lives and in our marriage. And, and, and so you go through the days and you begin to just hyper-focus on small things, things that frustrate you, and things that like build up over time. Maybe they're big things that frustrate you have really hurt you. And those become the way that we see people. And what this is saying is like, no, no, we need to have a brotherly love, a mutual affection, a fondness for one another to say that you are a child of God. And first, I'm gonna see the attributes that God has placed inside of you. Each one of us carries the image of God. And so I'm gonna see that God has placed that inside of you. And, and, and that has value in and of itself. And I'm gonna love you for That it means that we build a friendship with our spouse means that isn't just like we're not just like locked into marriage because we signed like a contract or something, means that this person is, is our friend and there's a relationship that's to be built there. So, if you're dating somebody right now, like look for that friendship in that relationship. If you're married, foster that friendship, spend time together, create space to laugh together. One of the things that brings me the most joy. In, uh, in my life, is if I can get Beth laughing, like, really hard, because when she laughs really hard, she gets the hiccups, and I know that I've done a good job if I can get her to, like, catch the hiccups, and so last night, we were, we were just, like, we were talking about something stupid, and, um, and i made her laugh and she laughed so hard that she had to like roll over into the pillow because it was like so loud and the kids were sleeping over there and i was like brushing my teeth with the biggest smile on my face in the bathroom cuz i'm just like oh man like i did it i made her laugh and that just comes from like the joy of knowing like who she is and her personality and being able to like inspire laughter in her and that's just that's like a deep friendship that's just constantly built over time but you can lose that if you're not intentional with it so you have to be careful with that stuff you have to be mindful. You have to watch out for it. You have to create space for it to do fun things. If you're in a marriage where you're, just like, you're constantly working and they're constantly working and there's not space for you guys to invest in the friendship that you have, you've got to create space for that. You've got to say, okay, this other stuff is not as important as getting back to the first like, understanding that you're a child of God and that I can love that and I can be encouraged by that. But I also, like I'm a child of God and there's a deep friendship that's to be built here between the two of us. Mutual affection. And this list, it builds on each other. Like, as we go through these different things, as we go through goodness, as we go through knowledge, as we go through... So, like, let's, let's just, like, look at the list here again in verse, um, in verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. These things actually build on one another. It starts with goodness, it moves to knowledge, it moves to self-control. You kind of can't really have one without the other. And they all build to this, this fundamental foundational one, which is love. And love kind of encompasses all of these things. And love is a word that has been kind of taken out of context in our, in our generation and in our society to mean all sorts of different stuff. And so we need to come back to like, what does the Bible say that love is? And I'm going to close on this point so worship team, you guys can come up. But the love that's, that's mentioned in this passage is this idea of agape love. And maybe if you were a part of our, our love series last year, we talked about all the different kinds of love that existed, philia and agape and eros and all this stuff. But this agape love is the most like encompassing um, definition of love. So for us, as we approach this idea of love in our relationships, the thought here is to go, okay, what does the Bible say that love is? Better, better yet, what is the example of love that we see in Jesus? Jesus in John 15, he says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. So that's the invitation. So what does this love look like? Well, greater love has nothing than this and to lay one's life down for one's friend. But he says, love, love each other as I have loved you. So I, do I have to just like die for everybody in my life? Like what does that mean for us? The definition of it that I heard that kind of most encapsulates this idea of love from Jesus is devoting oneself to the well-being of others, no matter their response or the cost. I'm going to read that again, and I just want us to sit with that thought for a minute here. Jesus' definition of love, as outworked in his life, as demonstrated by not just his words, but his actions, is devoting oneself to the well-being of others, no matter their response or the cost. And I think for myself... Like I think about a lot of my life with the perspective of I'm this character in a story that's moving through the world around me and, and it's like everything else and then me. And the world is like happening to me or I'm happening to the world. But so much of my perspective on my life is like my story. My narrative. What what what, what does it look like for me to experience the world? It's kind of like through this selfish lens. And I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if that comes from movies. I don't know if it comes from society. I don't know if it comes from like books or narratives. But we, we like, or maybe it's just human nature. We experience the world through this lens of like selfishness. What, how does this affect me? How do I operate? That's like, it's so counterintuitive to, to the way that God calls us to experience the world. Like for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus we're meant to understand that our life is in a greater context of a story of what God is doing. A story of redemption, of people that were once lost but have been found and drawn back into relationship with God. And for us as Christians, each one of us need to understand that our life isn't about what necessarily suits us the best. It isn't about building an empire of like comfort for ourselves. It isn't about building friendships that make us feel good. It isn't about finding a spouse so that we can be happy. It isn't about dating somebody that gives us like the tingly feelings. For us as individuals, our life is about service to others. It's like this this devoting. I love that word devoting. Like I'm so committed to this thing. I've devoted myself to the well-being of others. That in and of itself, just that portion is a completely different thought than we live with a lot of the time. That my life, every breath, every asset that I have, the time that I have, it's it's meant to be devoted to the well-being of those around me. Like, that's a challenging thought. And And then it goes further. No matter their response, and no matter the cost. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends, what's the thing that we value the most as people? It's our life. It's the breath in our lungs. Like we'll do a lot of things to keep our body alive. And Jesus says the greatest act of love is to lay that down for your friend, for the people around you. This brotherly love, this mutual affection for your for your spouse, for your neighbor, for the the person sitting beside you in church. There's no greater act of love than to set that down for them. No matter their, their response, no matter the cost. Jesus went to the cross. On, on like with the knowledge and the understanding that many, 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 many people would reject that act of love that many people would say like Jesus isn't who he says he is It doesn't matter he's not God I don't care I don't desire a relationship with God God so greatly desires a relationship with us that he would lay down his life for us knowing that billions, billions of people over human history would reject that thought and, and reject that idea and reject that love And that some would accept it and some would partake in it and some would see the example of jesus and go i'm gonna outwork that example in my life and lay down my life for others when we see and we understand the love that jesus has for us as people our threshold for serving other people becomes so much higher when i realize what jesus has done to be in relationship with me to love me it reframes my entire existence you go man even though I'm tired when I come home from working at the office and I'm trying to figure out a new location and there's like little things the culture things that I've been working on and there's all kinds of like little stuff that's milling around in my head and Bess says, like how's your day and it's like I can't even begin to unpack the ways that my brain jumped around on all these different things today and the last thing that I want to do is like get on the floor and roll around with Vivian and, and play with her and stuff like it reframes my entire perspective to go doesn't matter like what I what I need matters but I'm not here for myself like, I'm here to serve those around me. That's my purpose as a person. And as I'm reading that, I'm just like, but how do I do that? Like, I'm, I feel like I'm exhausted all the time. Like, how do I shift such a great perspective in my life to not see myself as, like, the core person in this story? And that, like, what about my needs? What about the things that I desire, the things that I have? And that's where Jesus says, that's why I died so that you could have life and life to the full so that you could have my Holy Spirit so that you could work out not of your own strength but of the power that God has given each one of us by the nature of his Holy Spirit to say it's not by might or by power but by the Spirit of God that we're able to do these things in our life. We can't just manufacture goodness. We can't just read a bunch of knowledge about God and expect that to change us. We can't just uh, persevere year over year over year. We can't just have self-control. We can't just uh, embody godliness or holiness in our life. We can't just like love the people around us. We have so much frustration with the people around us and we can't love sacrificially over the course of our lives as human beings without the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Without first saying, God, I thank you that you have met every need that I have. And I invite you into my life. I invite you into my heart, God. Would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, give me strength to forgive my spouse again? Give me strength to open that door of conversation again where it's just frustration and I feel like if I have that conversation, there's gonna be more pain and more heartache. And God says, no, no, no. I have given you all that you need. Your identity is in me. Your fullness is in me. Your life is fulfilled in me. You don't need all the things around you. And because it's fulfilled in our relationship with God, we're able to give to the people around us out of that. It's out of an overflow of what God has done in our life and who he is in our life that we're able to bless and to serve and to love the people around us. So why don't we stand up this morning as we we close. I want to invite us to just welcome the presence of God and the spirit of God into our life this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we close uh, this this message portion today, I want to invite those that maybe haven't heard this idea that God loves them and he desires relationship with them. And this love that that he's calling us to have for others, he's also first set that example to us that he reached a hand of forgiveness and life and relationship down to us. If that's you this morning in this place and you're going, I didn't know that God loved me. I didn't know there was a different way of living and I wanna make a decision to follow Jesus and to shift my life, my perspective to follow after God. If that's you in this place today with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna invite you just to raise a hand and say, hey, today I wanna make a decision to follow Jesus regardless of what's been going on in my life, regardless of my past and the things that I've done, today I want to choose to shift my perspective and follow Jesus, to take on these characteristics, to accept that he has died on the cross for my sins, all of these things. I want to pray for you this morning. God, for those that are making that decision today, we just ask that you would meet them where they're at, Lord, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to them, that you would encourage them. God, we thank you for the gift of the cross and the gift of salvation. We just ask that you would move in them today, God, that your Holy Spirit would meet them where they are and that they would leave this place changed and transformed and that you would bring people around them that could outwork their faith and walk out this relationship with you over the course of their life. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. And then for those of us here this morning that are going, man, like this idea of this self-sacrificial love to pour out again and again, to persevere, to show up over and over, to live a life set apart from the world around me, I'm struggling with that in my life, but I'm struggling with that in my marriage and in my relationship. That's you in the place this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed. Like last week, I looked over our church as we prayed this prayer and Pastor Brandon had invited couples to just hold hands together. And I looked at the the hand holding and the smiles on their faces and understood the, the kind of struggle that was represented in each of these different marriages and the weight that people were carrying and working through. But it was such a faith-building exercise to see people do that, to hold one another's hand and to say, regardless of these things, I'm going to continue to persevere. I'm going to continue to show up. I'm going to continue to work at this thing that God has placed in our life. Because there's a hope for wholeness on the other side of that. Why don't you close your eyes this morning? And if you're you're beside your partner, if you're beside your spouse, grab their hand and and let's pray over uh, the relationships in our church together today. God, I thank you for this gift of marriage. I thank you for the people that you've drawn together in this place this morning, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing in their life and what you've done in their life, Lord. I understand that. We're broken people, God. You understand better than anybody that we're broken people. And as you bring two broken people closer together, God, there's so much hurt that can exist in that relationship. But Lord, I thank you that it's not just two broken people together, but God, your presence and your spirit and your power is a part of these relationships, God. And so we invite you into those today. Lord, I pray that even in this moment, if there's anger or frustration that's been built up over time towards one another, God, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would melt that away this morning, God. If there's hopelessness in a relationship today that things will never change or never get better, God, that's not what you say in your word. And so we pray that there will be hope in those relationships today, God. If our hearts have hardened towards one another and there's a bit of a sour taste in our mouth and frustration, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would overwhelm us today with love, your love, God, the love that you have poured out for us as people. And today I ask that in these marriages and in these relationships and in this church, God, that we would be marked by these character traits, God. That we wouldn't live for what would be best for us, God, but we would serve one another in diligence and in faith, not by might, not by power, but by your Holy Spirit. In your name
1: we pray. Amen. No. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now.
0: We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.